That usually is the response. But a quick question before we get started. Does anyone here like or enjoy being sick? Didn't think so. Does, does thinking about having a headache bring you joy? Does having a cold or the flu just bring fond memories? Does having sore or aching muscles make you grateful to be alive? Or perhaps something worse. Does the idea or experience of having a broken bone bring a smile to one's face? Does the notion of a head injury or food poisoning mean or equal blessings in your life? Now, I won't ask, even ask this silly question as it concerns a debilitating condition or things that are much more serious or a terminal illness, but we really don't like being sick or being ill. Now, we may know people who have faked being sick or being ill, but that's usually to get out of some responsibility. So they're not actually sick. But that's different than actually wanting or enjoying or being comfortable staying in the place of being sick. As we look at this passage, I really want you to think about the question that Jesus asks. Gospel of John chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting, to be, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain times into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. But while I am coming, another steps in before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is unlawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. A multitude being in that place. After Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus, who made him well. Do you want to be made well? I want to review the place, because we can often think of certain scenes in the Bible and not get a pure context of what's going on. 
there was this group of people sitting by a pool. This was not the Hilton, not sitting by the pool there. This was the pool of Bethesda, which in ancient times meant house of mercy. A spring surrounded by these columns and these walls, but it was an outdoor, outdoor court. And tradition held that an angel would come down occasionally and stir the waters. And when the waters were stirred, whoever stepped into the waters first was completely healed of whatever infirmity, whatever disease, whatever sickness they had. No matter what it was, they would be instantly made well. Archaeologists have uncovered this ancient site and the porches or different levels or plateaus that were surrounding this pool. The sick, the lame, the infirm would spend the entire day just laying there, waiting for the angel to stir the waters. Some would spend 24 hours a day and never move. Some would have family members bring them each day early in the morning and come back and get them at sunset. Since they had no income, begging for money and begging for food was a common activity around this pool. Everyone was waiting to be basically, to put it in 2022 terms, the lucky winners of the, of the Bethesda Pool Lottery. They were trying to be the first ones in. What would you and I walking by see there? We would see the deaf. How would they know that the waters were stirring? They wouldn't be hearing the waters. We would see the blind. They wouldn't be able to see movement either in the waters or in the people around them. The lame. Once the waters stirred, how would they get from whatever porch they were on into the pool. You would have the young, the old, men, women, dozens, maybe hundreds of people waiting for this one single event. And remember, we're talking the Middle East, Jerusalem. At most times of the year, we're talking a dry, hot, arid place where all these who were lame and uncared for would just lay there for days and weeks. So I'm not going to go into any details about the potential of what the aroma was like. Then the sounds, the sounds of pain, the sounds of anguish, the sounds of hunger, cries for mercy, cries for relief. And in the middle of this extremely unpleasant place, a scene that would challenge every one of us and every one of our senses, Jesus walks in. He walks into the part of town most people in Jerusalem, most Jews, most religious folk would avoid. So my first comment today is, are we willing to walk into places other people most likely will avoid? Are we willing to walk into the situations in people's lives that are unpleasant that most people would say, you know what, you take care of your issues and let me know when you're done, then we can continue our interactions. Jesus was willing to step into the lives of people no matter where they were at the moment or time. 
Are we willing to be those people, his people? Jesus walks into the place, the average man, the average person with a home and a family and a good-paying job would never be seen. He walks into places, sadly, let's just be real here today, most church folk won't go either because he cares. It's an old saying, but it's true. People need to see how much you care before they can know how much you care. Because he loves everyone equally. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're facing, and no matter what brought you to the place that you are, even if the consequences that you're experiencing are completely the end result of your own poor choices, Jesus wants to walk into that situation at that point in time and be the Lord of your life. And we need to be that as well. Now, the focus of the story is that Jesus walked up to one man who had been in that condition for 38 years. Just think with me for a moment. 38 years. Most of us get cranky if we're unpleasant or sick for a couple of days. This man had been coming to the pool for as long, personally for me, longer than either of my children have been alive. I'm not sure, it doesn't say, if he spent the entire day and night there. If this had become his de facto home, it doesn't say. All we know is that he came to the pool each day hoping to be healed. Hoping. Being honest, it can be tough to hold out hope for anything for 38 years. Hope for a bad marriage to get better. Hope for people who are close to you to start treating you right and respectfully. Hope for loved ones to stop running in the opposite direction of where Jesus is. Hope for anything. It's difficult to hold on to hope for a week, a month, a year. This man was obviously still hopeful because he kept coming back to the pool 38 years later. Church, we live in a world today that has so many issues, so many concerns, so many places that are broken. And yet, from my perspective, one of the most primary issues we have today is a complete lack of hope where people have so many things in their lives, yet no hope. And the saddest part is since they realize they have no hope, where they then decide to begin looking for hope. Looking for hope or comfort in other people. Let's say even in something that is wonderful, like our family. Our families are important. Our families are ordained by God. The family was God's idea. But how many know families are made up of people? And people have issues. So many people today are looking for lasting hope in our government. Wake up, pal. <laughs> it's, that, that's a tough one if you're still holding out hope there. They're looking for inspiring hope in the latest celebrity or the latest 
popular figure on the public scene. They're looking for hope, like the old song says about looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, don't get me wrong. We do and should love our families. We do and should, and I do deeply, love our country and pray for our leaders. And any public figure that bursts onto the scene, I take the attitude, I want to pray for that individual because of the influence they have in the lives of so many. But they are not, they have never been able to, nor can they ever be my source of hope. My source of hope rests in one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's the question Jesus asked the man that is the focus of the story. Not how many people avoided the pool of Bethesda. Not the complete scene that demonstrated the lack of hope or what might seem as desperate hope in so many. It's the question that Jesus asks a man who had been lame and sick and unable to walk and unable to move and therefore based on that society an outcast and had been regulated to beggar status. He asked this man, 38 years into his illness, do you want to really be made well? Are you kidding me? Really? Can you honestly imagine what your response in a day and age in 2022 where I almost believe most people's superpower is being sarcastic? Are you kidding me? Jesus says, do you want to be made well? No, I'm good. No need. I'm just here for the good times. Look around you. We're having a party here. Of course I want to get well. Of course I want to get better. What a question. But that's not how the man answers. Being real today, we all know people and we all are people who have areas of our lives that need to be made well. But we also know people who know they have areas that need to improve, who know they have areas that need to change, but won't do anything about it. And when you suggest something, they push you away. They'll give you every excuse in the book as to why what you want to bring them to can't happen. So the question is, do you really want to be made well? This man doesn't, doesn't answer sarcastically. But what comes out is honesty. In his despair, he says, sir, I've got nobody to get me down to the pool. He's basically saying, I don't know how it's ever going to work. I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to not be in this situation. I don't know how anything in my life is ever going to be any better. I want to, but I have no idea how to get there. Now, some would question or comment that Jesus' question to him was insensitive. And in our 
completely disrespectful society, some would probably even comment that Jesus' question was just plain dumb. But Jesus doesn't ask insensitive questions. And he doesn't ask dumb ones either. Since this man had been in this condition for 38 years, this was this man's life. This was this man's identity. And the question is, do you really want to go in a different direction? His identity would no longer be, oh, you're that lame guy who lays by the pool. No, now you'll be a completely different person. Do you really want that? He would be made whole. It sounds silly, but there are people who have been broken for so long in some significant area of their lives that they are comfortable with that identity. There's even what psychologists would call a pathology, a way of thinking, a way of being that is surrounding this infirmity. It's how they're known. I'm the lame guy. I'm the angry guy. Of course I'm angry all the time. Well, God can help you with that anger. But you don't understand, Pastor. I'm Italian. And for those who think I'm picking on the Italians, which if you know the makeup of our church, I would never, ever do that. (laughs) I've heard that excuse given about an uncontrollable anger for every ethnicity on the planet. You don't understand. I'm Hispanic. You don't understand. I'm Irish. You don't understand. I'm this. I'm that. What you are is human, and God has an answer for that. And his name is Jesus. Most of this man's interactions would change because most of them were based on the various reactions and relationships and the facts around us. Jesus can change all that if we want him to. That's why for me, when we're witnessing or trying to evangelize or trying to guide someone from being not a Christian to being a Christian, I don't like to sugarcoat what the life of following Jesus is like. Yes, there is unimaginable joy. There is peace that passes all understanding. And there is a power this world can't even begin to comprehend. But let's be clear, there are challenges, especially in today's culture. This man is ready. And Jesus tells him to do something. Rise, take up your bed, and walk, in verse number 8. And immediately, he is healed. Immediately, he is no longer one of that crowd that would hang around the pool of Bethesda. Immediately, his life can experience the things God had intended him to experience. Immediately, he can not only stand, but having been infirm for 38 years, he has the strength to be able to walk and carry his bed. That, let's put it in terms we all understand, that's a miracle, church. And, God, and we serve a miracle-working God who still works miracles today. When Jesus heals you, let's be clear, you are healed. When this happens, there, this is a source of joy. This is a source of praise. This is a source of just being completely elated and delighted. 
So isn't it wonderful that you're in this place of joy and the first people you meet after this are rainmakers? I can walk, but you're carrying your bed on the Sabbath. That's a no-no. I don't care that you've been healed. What social things are you breaking? You're walking. Don't you know what day it is? Do you think this man cared what day it was? In fact, he did know what day it was. It was the day I got healed. But you're breaking the religious codes we've set up. Who cares? Do you f- but those religious codes are about following God. Don't you want to follow God? Do you find joy in disobeying him, which they equate to disobeying them? Don't you love him? Hey, guys, can you see that I'm walking? Can you see that I haven't been for 38 years? Do you, have you noticed what's inside me? And the man says, the man who made me well told me to do this. Now, we could look at this as the man throwing Jesus under the bus. I look at it, he's making a testimony. He was healed by Jesus, and you better believe he's going to do what Jesus told him to do. Would we have a church that would turn once again to do what Jesus has told us to do? The world's not going to understand. They're going to criticize. Why do you go to church so much? Why do you read that book every day? Why do you always look on the bright side of things? Don't you know how annoying that is? This is when I get, I hear it, I work a lot where, where I work. Why do you have to be so nice? Stop it. Especially nice to people who aren't nice to you. It's called being a Christian church. It's called having the joy of the Lord that overcomes and supersedes no matter what is going on in my life. This man was made well, and he was going to do what Jesus told him to do. My Jesus told me to bless those who curse me, to do good to those who persecute me. And oh, yeah. While you pick up your bed and walk, tell somebody. Tell somebody. I've been made well. Have you been made well today? I can, because of the touch that Jesus gave me, I no longer have to live in fear. I no longer have to carry the past with me. But pastor, you don't know what my past is like, but Jesus does. And he can help you to rise up from that bed that is your past, that are those mistakes, that are those hurts, either caused by you or caused by other people. And he can help you walk with your head held high and a power in your life that is beyond imagine. I no longer have to live a life without power. And going back to my original starting place 
I no longer have to live a life without hope. I can walk again. Now, the story talks about physical walking. But there are people who are walking around today who really aren't walking. They're not living, they're existing. And you and I can have this same hope and be made well again. Jesus later tells him at some later point when he sees him in the temple and reminds him, you need to leave your life of sin behind, verse 14, or something worse might happen. I love that. Because that's a word we don't like to talk about today, sin. But sin is real. Sin has consequences. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's not popular to talk about in the world today. And sadly, it's not popular to talk about in the church. So it seems. And the story ends with the man telling everyone that Jesus made him well. There are more than enough things in this day and age to complain about. To me, that's a valid statement. Are there things we can complain about? Yes. But Jesus is still Lord. So there are things that are truth. There are things that are fact. There are things that are real in our lives that we can also talk about. And the things that are real that pertain to Jesus are far more amazing and far more powerful than the things I could complain about. I've shared some of this, but I remember back this past Christmas coming up to Christmas Eve. I was really excited about our Christmas Eve service. Hadn't had one in many years. First one I was going to hold since I had become pastor here. And I was excited about it. And a day or two just before, thanks, uh, just before Christmas, I started to feel a little uh, sniffle, a little scratchy throat. I figured, now nah, I'll be fine. Then the morning of Christmas Eve came, and I was not fine. The scratchy throat was worse. I figured, well, maybe I can just push through the Christmas Eve service and then rest the entire rest of the week. And, but given the time that we live in, I took a COVID test. And it was positive. And I'm like, and I've said this to you before in previous messages, I, in my heart turned to God and said, I thought we had a deal. I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll, I'll proclaim your gospel, and I'll live the way I can try to live the best way I can. And this doesn't happen to me. And I remember for the first week of it, most of the first week, I can say with all truthfulness, I had COVID. It was hard to sleep. It was hard to be awake. And those are really the only two choices. The coughing, I didn't lose my sense of uh, taste. It just altered what some things tasted like. And I'm just sitting on the couch trying to stay away from my family so I don't infect anybody else. And the notion or the label of an internal pity party did cross my heart and mind. I know that's never happened to any of you. But be sympathetic to your pastor today. 
My life had been, and still is, really busy. So many things going on, so many responsibilities. And honestly, I could hear at times while I was sitting on that couch, especially late at night when I couldn't sleep, a sense in my heart, well, I got your attention now. And I could hear him. I got well. And I'm thankful now for quiet times. There is so much noise in our world today. So much noise and so many voices. And it's sad that it takes getting ill and having to stop and get off of the roller coaster that is most of our lives before we realize the blessing of just sitting still and being in a quiet place. Especially us in the church, we do so many things and want to do so many things and attend so many things and read so many things to know God more. We go to this seminar, we go to that retreat, we attend that function, and these are all good things. And our goal is to know God more. But the Bible is clear, to know him, be still. Be still and know that he is God. This man had been still for 38 years. And his healing began with a question. Do you want to be made well? You really, are you ready to let go of the labels? Are you really ready to let go of the identity? Are you ready to let go of the excuses? Are you ready to tell the world about the reason for your hope? In the hour we live in, God's people need to take up their mats and walk. Before we can ask the world to take up their mat and walk, we need to take up our mats and walk. And then when we've taken up these mats and we're walking, tell the story. I am honored that many people think that I'll invite someone to church and they can hear my wonderful Pastor Hiram preach and they'll be able to hear the gospel. But they need to hear the gospel from your life, from your story, from what God has done for you. They need to hear you talk about, I I met a man and he made me well. And I'm still well today. Stand with me, please.